What you should do right now is go to patreon.com slash house of decline. That's H-A-U-S of decline. For as little as $3 a month, you can get 30 extra comics. It's 10 cents a comic. Crazy deal. Crazy deals you're getting here. For $5 a month, you get the comics plus four extra podcasts. That's more jolly voices of me and, and Steven. And, you know, various guests, although I don't think we've had any guests on the bonus episodes, except for, you know, our, our wonderful improv characters that we're always making up. You know, uh, you'll, you'll get to experience more time with uh, luminaries such as uh, uh, Highway Jim McCutcheon or the Relieved Scotsman. You know, so many of these characters come up in, in the bonus podcast and you're really missing out really missing out if you're not listening to them. So go to patreon.com slash house of decline and subscribe. You should also go to houseofdecline.com and look at all the free content we have. It's all up there for you to enjoy, especially Alex's most recent graphic novel together, which you can yeah. get at house You can of decline. see the entire thing. Yeah. You don't even have to pay for that shit. No, you don't. It's right up there and it's in, in, High fidelity. Do they make? Do they still make comics in high fidelity? Yeah, they make it. They're called hi-fi comics. You know, <laughs> you get your comic set up. You get your you get your comic file set up with your. Uh, yeah. We we've converted all the comics into flax. <laughs> we are converting them into flax because that has the best comic fidelity. I love the fidelity. I love listening to your comics in high fidelity. Yeah, uh, I mean, you you really gotta like analog comics better. There's a more there's more of a warmth to analog comics. Yeah, you know? there's like that kind of scratchiness. You were talking about that with The Simpsons. Like The Simpsons used to be analog and then they went digital. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not that it's yeah. I, I made a post about they reintroduced Jock, the Albert Brooks voiced character from season one, uh, who it nearly cuckolds Homer but is prevented at the last second by an homage to an officer in The Gentleman. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's really because that comes from a time in The Simpsons where they were there was no set standard for any of the designs and uh, sort of the house style of Klasky Chupo, the studio that was animating it, was to go uglier, as, as was the case with a lot of 90s cartoons. They had also produced you know, Rugrats and... Uh, uh, lots of other Nickelodeon cartoons that tack towards that sort of ugly style, but I really like that ugly style. It's uh, unique. It's more expressive. You know, it's more organic, as I've said before. Um, but then the personal computer, the revolution of personal computing occurred. Yeah. My yeah. God. The consequence, we are still dealing with the consequences of there's computers everywhere. Everyone's lonely. Simpsons isn't as good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> We're all atomized, and now, like, they're, they're going less off-model with Homer now, which is a representative of my atomization. Yeah, Homer is like the totem, you know, yeah. that we worship at. <laughs> I I do. If if I were to join any religion, I would, I would join Simpsism. Um, well, what are the characteristics of that religion? Uh, it's, it's a lot like, uh, Zoroastrianism. It's basically Zoroastrianism, but we're replacing all of the Zoroastrian, uh, religious figures with the Simpsons. So, also spoke Zarathustra? No, also spoke Mo. Come on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, well, why don't we, why don't we replace all of the dialogue in that that's a book by Nietzsche, not really related. Is it really related to Zor Zoroastrianism that much, or is it just because Yeah, it has... yeah, Zarathustra or Zoroaster. It's the, I mean, it's uh, based around the same guy. I don't know shit about Zoroastrianism. Well, yeah, but it is Nietzsche, so it's like, you know, pretty, pretty a, 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 a guy from the far end of the temporal spectrum writing about it. What did, let's go to the primary sources. What did the Zoroastrians say about their own their own what shit. What do the Zora... Let's hear it right from the Zora, Zorse's mouth. Of what, what do the Zoroastrians What do they say? have to say for themselves? How do they uh, acquit themselves? I I have known... Let me tell you, every Zoroastrian I've ever met has been a class... <laughs> a class act. Yep. A goddamn class act. <laughs> That's... A wonderful group of people. They love me. 
They love me I, over there. They love me. You know, I have many Zoroastrian friends. I've dated <laughs> Zoroastrian women. <laughs> Yeah, what is this? We're gonna get down. We're gonna get, we're gonna get down to the root of this whole Zoroastrian thing. Well, I think it's gonna yeah. help us figure out this whole Simpsons debacle that occurred. Mm. You know, when the when the world started to get bad, that was when the Simpsons started to get bad. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, because uh, I think what we what we've done is we've uh, this goddamn postmodernism. You know, the principal beliefs of Zoroastrianism, according to Wikipedia, mm -hmm. which is the main text of Zor Zoroastrianism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it has a dualistic cosmology of good and evil within the framework of a monotheistic ontology and an eschatology which predicts the ultimate conquest of evil by good. So, you know, classic hero story. You know, first there's, there's a bad guy, Mr. Burns, then there's Homer, and then, you know, good, triumphs over evil every time. That's the story. That is the story of The Simpsons. It's Homer constantly beating Mr. Burns. Yeah, he's always winning. He's always winning against Mr. Burns. Always. Yeah. Um, and Homer is, of course, pure good. He is a symbol of pure light in this universe. <laughs> I mean, is that what the... So that's kind of what The Simpsons have become. But that's not how that... You were saying that's not how they started out. Actually, I think The Simpsons has Homer has become like a worse, less likable character over time. Oh, because uh, in the in the Simpsons fandom, um, they refer to it as jerkass Homer, whereas you know in in seasons one to eight, Homer is like a little dumb, but he's still like a human. But they made him like, a, and he's like capable of compassion, love for his children. You know, he's capable of making the right decision of of making genuinely moral decisions, but. As the show went on, Homer became more and more exaggerated to the point where he's dumb and selfish, and that became his uh, driving characteristic. And, and his that's redeeming called, qualities became less apparent. That's called jerk-ass Homer? Jerk-ass Homer. Now, who Se came, season nine, people start. Who came up with that? Who came up with jerk-ass Homer? I think it comes from the episode where Homer joins the cult, and he goes, Out of my way, jerk-ass! Which is a funny <laughs> joke. And, but that sort of is indicative of what became of his character he is just sort of like a brash rude child as opposed to like a put upon every man as he was in the earlier seasons well, i googled jerk ass homer and here we go is a reddit post yeah from, um about eight months ago and the reddit post is jerk ass homer is dead question mark here's the post i came across this video that makes the argument that jerk ass homer is dead and that the era of jerk ass was only prevalent during a small section of the show's history. I was curious on what Jack and Dan's opinion of this video would be. Okay, so blah, blah, blah. Someone named Jack and Dan that I'm not going to do free promos for. If you yeah, want, fuck you, Jack and Dan. Listen, Jack and Dan, if you want me to promote your fucking thing, email me at houseofdecline at gmail.com. Okay, <laughs> we'll work out a deal. Yeah, we'll, we'll do some promos for Jack and Dan. Little ditty. About Jack and Dan. See, I'm already doing it. This is how good we are at advertising for Jack and Dan. Jack, Jack and Dan, Dan email us. Money. The deal will be sweet. Plenty of... Uh, I, I'll have myself a Jack and Daniels. That's Ooh. when you're, you're jacking off while drink, drinking whiskey by the bottle. Um, that's pretty Have you cool. ever had a Jack and Daniels? I can't say I have done that. No, I would not. I've done something close. <laughs> were you drinking beer while jerking off um no i was driving though definitely driving okay, and drinking yeah. beer at the same oh, time yeah, that's, that's cool yeah that's that's uh that's what we call a, a bruce springsteen i called it literally drinking and driving ah yeah um, <laughs> it's it. fine it's fine everybody doesn't know it's okay not, well so the thing about it was i didn't start off drunk i got drunk like <laughs> I didn't start drunk when I was driving. I was just, I cracked open a 12, a 12, a, well, I guess a case, a Yinglings with my buddy, whom yeah. you know, whom, a mutual friend, whom you know, yeah. who was like, oh man, this is great. I can't drive because I got a DUI. And I was like, you, I know what you need. You need to get drinking and driving. <laughs> um, well, you never crash. So it's like it never happened. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Oh, I, I didn't crash. <laughs> There's several people I hit and maimed forever. Um, oh yeah, they're gone. Still, they're I'm, gone. And I'm still paying. I'm paying out the nose on mm -hmm. my <laughs> settlement. I have to do monthly payments. It's like I'm paying like 
uh, crazy amounts and damages. Yeah. So that's I've been why we canceled. started this podcast. Right. You know, that's why we need the, mon- the why- monthly Patreon <laughs> money. It's because we have to keep paying settlements to all the people that you killed and maimed with yeah, your drunk and driving. I keep doing you know, all, it too. all the children, yeah. I keep drinking and driving, too. I don't care. I don't care that yeah, I owe yeah. the government and all these people money. I well, can't think be stopped. About, think about what you've created. Now there's a whole Victims of Stephen community, you know. And they, they get together, they play board games, and, you know, they talk about their lives. Yeah, they talk and, about jerk-ass Stephen. Yeah, yeah, Stephen in the earlier seasons used to be great, but now he became jerk-ass, you know, as the character evolved. They started making him drunk drive a lot more. Yeah. How often does Homer drunk drive in the show? Oh, they, quite a they bit. Have a, yeah. yeah. But no one <laughs> but dies. No one can die in The Simpsons, and when someone does die, they make like a huge, big effing deal, you know, media push about it. Didn't they do that with recently? They're like, some major character is going to die. Who's it going to be? I don't remember. I don't know who the last character to die prominently on The Simpsons was. Everyone remembers Maude Flanders. But that was very cynical because the lady uh, who voiced her wanted more money. And mm-hmm. they were like, nah, we'll just kill you off. That's yeah, fine. Wow. Man. Well, that sucks. What happened to the, that lady? Let's follow her career. I I, for, I forget it's what like, her name is. It's not Kamala like Hayden. Be- is it Kamala Hayden? She became so depressed after Maude Flanders killed herself. No, it was Maggie Roswell. It was Maggie Roswell. Did her career suffer from that? Did they blacklist her? I wonder. I uh, returned. She returned to The Simpsons eventually, but I didn't think. I don't think she got the the money she was asking for. But did her career? Well, it looks like she hasn't done a lot besides The Simpsons. But that's a pretty steady gig. Yeah, her last credit. Her last TV credit is from 1998 on Wikipedia, and it's Venus on the Hard Drive, which is I don't know what that is. She was the voice of Venus, apparently, but uh, I really want to look this up because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, an animation, a bit of an animation nerd, and I've never heard of this show before. Venus on the Hard Drive, a comedy series. Wow, this has some very early 3D animation, and it's uh, it's part live action, it's part 3D animation. <laughs> it's Venus on the Hard Drive. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I love this title too. Um, Venus is a uh, so on the IMDb uh, the IMDb page says Venus is a sexy compute program designed to steal government secrets. Uh-huh. When best capitalized best friends Harry and Oz find her hiding in the final level of a game, they le stay with them. I don't think that the person who wrote this Venus on the hard drive article was firing on all cylinders here. Hilarity hey, that's, ensues that's, when that's she causes Harry and Pam to break up and gives Oz $90 million. That's a low blow. I wrote the IMDb entry for Venus on the hard drive during one of my notorious <laughs> driving and drinking While sessions. While you were drinking and driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think you should... I think you should uh, uh, revise it. You know, this is really your responsibility. Well, the problem, you know, see, you know what happened with that show was I was actually working for it and I was on the set. And the reason why it, it didn't really go anywhere is I kept killing everybody, drinking and driving on the set. Mm. Just kept running over people uh, left and right. I had a big yeah. Cadillac. One of those big, big, big Cadillacs, like with a yeah. fuzzy steering wheel. It was, it was takes up two whole lanes of a highway. Oh yeah, very yeah, big. One of the wide Cadillacs. Very yeah. brown, um, leather seats. Uh, one of those like, uh, you know, a sh- shifter, a shifter knob thing. Yeah. I had dick the skull. sucking robot. I had the it's skull. Got one of those dick sucking robots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you had the skull on the on your shifter. On my shifter knob was the skull. It was very. Did it cool. have little diamonds in its eyes? And teeth, eyes and teeth. Diamonds and you were constantly cutting yourself on the diamonds while shifting. Ow, yeah. I was like, ah, yeah. fuck. And you were drunk all the time, so you couldn't be careful about it either. No, you know? it was yeah. very sloppy, too. Very sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just drenched in blood. Your your stick shift is just drenched in blood and constantly. And beer, yeah. And beer, yeah. What the, was I the drinking? Two yinglings? Oh, God. After, <laughs> when, you're on, when you're on 11 out of 12 yinglings, the, it... It starts to taste like the weirdest brown water. You're like, what the heck? This brown water tastes funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why am uh, I in a Cadillac? 
<laughs> yeah, there's something funny about Yenglings. It is the most generic beer imaginable. Because, you know, at least, like, I could pick out, like, a drinking a Miller High Life. It's the one that tastes really like bread. Or, like, a Pabst Blue Ribbon, because they taste like soda. But Yangling doesn't particularly taste like anything, in my imagination. It's, it's like, up there as, like, one of the great generic beers, like, with Molson in Canada. Molsons are very generic. Yingling kind of tastes like the inside of a shoe that, like, someone whose feet are kind of not really offensive, but it's kind of got that leathery foot thing going on. Sorry, well, who doesn't it. like a leathery foot thing, you know? Yeah, not That's the two best fetishes, the two most popular fetishes. It's in not my favorite. It was all, It's confounding to me why I would ever drink it. I think just to switch it up, just to have some variety in my life. It's cheap. It's better than Mountain Brew. A lot of, well, yeah, it's better than Milwaukee's <laughs> Best, which is basically what Mountain Brew was. Yeah. Um, anyway, you were saying yeah, you were thinking some Adam Curtis-style thoughts. That was Adam Curtis-style thoughts. Well, it started off, uh, I, I, made it, I made one of my gay comics, my patented gay comics, uh, a couple weeks ago. I'd gotten into an argument with my dad, and I was feeling really low, because his recent turn to Catholicism has... Uh, Caused him to start to start embracing ideas that could, if expressed to their fullest extent, be harmful to me. Uh, so I was really mad at him for that. We've since talked it over and sort of massaged some of the tension away. Um, but as I, when I after the argument, I was feeling, you know, pretty low because it sucks when you're like, I am your creator, and your creator deems you unclean and unworthy. The religion that I have tells you that you are lesser than, you know. So, and, you know, he, he doesn't say it like that, you know. He says it in a different way, and he says it with, um, I mean, it, it's strange, the love of, like, a homophobic parent to, like, a gay child, where they're still, like, expressing the fact that they love you and they would do anything for you. But you know in the back of their mind they harbor an idea that is um, also counter to your existence. So it's a very strange feeling. Um, but, you know, what I wanted to do for myself was just make something that uh, expressed my desire to not be a creation of... Uh, to not be a creation of others. To not be... Uh, ha have an identity foisted on me or not have, like, a prescription of my goodness or my soul foisted on me. So I made a cartoon that was... Uh, ultimately ended with you create yourself as its message which some people took as a call to individualism you know which is not what it meant but it was phrased in such a way that um it was easy for people to see that you know see it as sort of a uh like almost what satanists believe which is that you know the primacy of self and that self is the driver of all things and you know um or even someone compared to it to Ayn Rand, and I got mad at them. I called them dull-minded, which I shouldn't have done because they were just being—they were being nice. They were just having an opinion, and I, I regret that. Um, and I did apologize to them online, but um, it got me thinking about individualism just as like a major contributor of our woes in society. Because you know, Adam Curtis, especially with his latest one. Um, sort of avoided political prescriptions, words like communism or anarchism, or like he would avoid speaking of that. And he talked more broadly in terms of these countervailing forces of individualism and uh, and uh, ver versus uh, communityism, uh, not communism, but uh, individualism versus group mentality i'm not phrasing it correctly Commun communalism collective collectivism okay. collectivism individualism versus collectivism would be and he sees these as you know more so than specific political uh movements he sees these as these two countervailing philosophies that define conflict in the 20th century and currently uh and i think part of his thesis is that especially in the west not just in the west but all over individualism sort of won as a philosophy. Uh, it's a lot easier to pitch to people, too, because it means that you don't have to think about anyone but yourself. All you have to do is work on you, and if you work on you, uh, then the improvements will come. You know, it's sort of like personal trickle-down theory. If I succeed, then I will be able to, you know, sow my success into other people. Um, and I think, you know, 
this individualistic attitude is sort of at the heart of our current malaise and our current uh, atomization and uh, our societal difficulty in relating to people or coming up with collective group projects, you know, this sort of philosophy at the heart of our culture, the power of one or the, the great man theory, you know, everyone aspires to be these great people, but really what you should be doing instead is investing your time in uh, improving the lives of others because, you know, as every religion and every philosophy eventually says it's good for your brain that's the best thing for your brain is participating in a community and building something with them and asking being able to ask for help from people you know and it sort of it it pained me greatly to think that people took like a message of like you are an island you are a rock you can do whatever you are the willpower you know I don't. That's not what I was expressing. I or I guess it was in some ways because there's a very attractive quality to individualism, one that we want to uh, preserve in ourselves. I think part of our souls need this idea that if not unique, there is something about us which justifies our existence. You know, there is something about us that no one else can do, because if you're like totally redundant. You know, how do you feel good about yourself? You know, I think that's sort of like even like being an identical twin would fuck with me in this way, because Mm, it's like mm -hmm. it sort of feels like you're redundant. And you see a lot of identical twins striving to define themselves against each other. Well, you're expendable, you know. (laughs) Yeah, there's one more of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's a backup. Yeah, yeah. Um, But um, so I'm thinking about these countervailing forces of individualism and collectivism and I sort of think about the popularity of superhero media, specifically of super teams and sort of what I got out of X-Men, especially X-Men, I think, uh, because X-Men is very popular with gay people. You know, Brian Singer, (laughs) the the malign Brian Singer made made the gay parallels of the X-Men story obvious. It's about found family, but more so it's sort of like provides a way of how we can think about a synthesis of individualism and collectivism uh, in a way that um, is pleasurable to people. And I think the recent popularity of superhero media is because it sort of posits, especially like the Avengers movies or things where there are team-ups and and stuff like that. Uh, What it posits is a world where everyone sort of gets to retain their identity, retain something special about them, but they are all integral to the group in some way they are made right. better by participating kind of like how super smash brothers works <laughs> yeah sure sure mm-hmm. i no but these um a much more a much more universal example would be sports teams especially sports teams that don't rely on one specific superstar but require uh, re- rely on like a field of talent that have different abilities it's that 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 sort of uh, idea of defining yourself as an individual but still within the collective purpose of the, of the group success i think is like i think that's what we that's what we need or that's what we're aspiring to that's like the great ideas of the 20th century are sort of fusing together in this way and we haven't figured out a way to do it practically but we figured out a way to represent it in its most basic and simple form which is those like superhero team-ups or anime team-ups, you know, or sports team-ups, you know, I think. Or so, Super Smash team-ups. Yeah. Uh, or Super Smash team-ups, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, even like uh, multiverse media, too, it's all about finding the different versions of yourself and them coming together in order to make something, you know, the unique within the collective, the special within the unspecial. Um, and... I think uh, the problem with superhero media now is that people have been uh, people have been given this message over and over and over again. People have been given the synthesis, but without any sort of real application to the real world or what is happening around them. You know, it's it's um, and after a while, painting this optimistic picture becomes exhausting when you don't see it around you anymore. You just see. Um, the continuation of this hegemonic suicidal individualism that our society is currently based on. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I think that was like, um, 
even like a criticism of the Zack Snyder movies was that they are more, uh, or the Zack Snyder Superman was, it is more nakedly individualistic. It is more about sort of aggrandizing a great man than it is necessarily about focusing on his helping of people. Well, he's not a man. He's an alien. He is an alien. He's not even a man. He's not even a goddamn man. Do they talk about God in Superman at all? Like, is or is Superman just like, is it science based? (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, they talk about God in Superman. Everyone calls him a god constantly, and Uh. there's. Uh, in the first episode of the Superman animated series, uh, uh, Lois Lane, played by Dana Delaney, uh, says, you know, he's the Nietzschean ideal wrapped up in a big red cape, which they said in a kid's show. I was very surprised that they dropped Nietzsche in, in the, in the mm. Superman animated series pilot episode. Um, but, yeah, there, there's been a lot of understanding of, you know, what makes a god or... Uh, but, you know, Superman, conversely, I think what makes Superman great is his commitment to collectivism, is is like in the best versions of the character, he has this selflessness where it, he has been given great power as an individual, but it means nothing if he cannot protect the group. You know, that's that's always sort of the struggle of Superman and sort of why Man of Steel was received so poorly, because it's like about Superman being neglectful of the group it's about him destroying metropolis in a big battle in order to settle a personal score albeit one that threatens the rest of the earth sorry Um, i just totally tuned out what superman's about what superman's (laughs) about what i mean Zack snyder too um it's i like i I like Zack snyder he comes across as great in interviews he seems like a genuinely good guy and it's funny that he really likes ayn rand but not for its philosophy, just because he likes The Fountainhead as a story, which I agree with. The Fountainhead is a pretty good story. Um, that's the one where, uh, oh, I know how, that's the one where the government is like, we're going to replace all the fountains with low flow fountains. And, and there was like a <laughs> pathetic display of fountains. Yeah. Like little spurts of water. There's hardly any, hardly any force to the fountains and the water shows. Yeah, it's no like good. jizzing after you've already jerked off four times that day. It just burbles out, you know, and so lacklusterly. The, the main character is named John Dumbass or something. And he's like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an individual here. and I'm going to create a powerful fountain. And then... And then that's why individuals and and I'm and I'm very positive and so that's why we're called positivists and then that's true that's I'm, exactly true and then the fountainhead is over and then by by Ayn Rand. <laughs> well, I mean, what's interesting about the fountainhead is, uh, like, because the main character is Howard Rourke, right? And he is a constantly maligned architect. He has the best visions. But the people in the big architecture community who conspire with the government, you know, they're against this guy. You know, he's too radical. He's too bold. But, you know, he sticks to his principles out of his own detriment. This character is like a way more universally relatable character than John Galt or someone like or Dagny Taggart, who are these big special superhero characters. Mm-hmm. Howard Rourke is sort of like. I think how a lot of people picture themselves, which are misunderstood geniuses, you know, who, who <laughs> I think that it, that's it. You know, there's there's this great Calvin and really? Hobbes strip where he's talking about I'm a misunderstood. Yeah, I think a lot of oh. people think that they are secretly, you know, there is some special power that they have that is just waiting to be unlocked or waiting to be noticed. I, I think that's my, why that's such a common fantasy. I know? conceive of myself as tragically dumb. <laughs> it's like it's like so much potential it's just he's just a little too dumb yeah <laughs> can't do too dumb for thing um <laughs> that's funny so yeah i i i mean i i guess i didn't identify as calvin in that comic but a lot of times i would identify as calvin mm-hmm. uh i thought i think hobbs definitely thinks he's a genius but most cats are like that. Most cats think they're geniuses. I identify with Calvin because I'm just pissing on stuff all the time. Oh, come know? on. That's not allowed. Uh, Bill Watterson released uh, some new material recently. He Yeah, he wrote it, mm-hmm. uh, but he didn't illustrate it. The illustrations are done by a guy whose name I don't recognize, but looks very cool. Like uh, uh, It's a horror story about a, a medieval plague, which I'm into. Yeah, so good for you, Bill Watterson. I guess he had a bill to pay, and he was like, I know what I can do. 
Yeah, yeah. He's he he. All of his drunk driving uh, injury money. Hey, uh, he don't to... <laughs> do not besmear the name, the good name of Bill Watterson, the most beloved cartoon artist in the world right now. Who's probably I, ever right now. You know? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think. Uh, it's, you can't really find anything problematic about him. He created a work of continuing beauty that uh, every generation discovers and finds new things uh, within it. There's sort of like it, the magic of Calvin and Hobbes was that it was both, you know, gentle and lyrical and about uh, our our relationship with nature. But it's also sort of sarcastic and cynical so that it would be it's not it doesn't it's not overbearing overbearingly treacly like uh, yeah. some other comics well i'm glad be. kids are gonna read it so they can see what life was like for kids with tv because calvin's relationship to tv should is very is hopefully instructive um because it, before smartphones were the big bad thing tvs were the big bad thing yeah and parents were like oh my kids are just glued to the tv all the time and um they're always trying to get us to play sports Mm-hmm. They're like, what if what if this isn't sports? It's it's you're playing with guns, and they would give us guns, <laughs> and then we would go shoot shoot people, and just yeah. and we were just doing that so we would run around. Yeah, yeah, dance. You know, that's how <laughs> it's like those westerns. You know, I it would be funny if they had a nightclub where everybody had guns and was just constantly shooting at each other's feet and going dance, dance, dance. Yeah, they do that in Texas. That's that's, yeah. that's like the. You know those bars where they wear the cowboy hats and they do the line dancing in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, they have the gun. They have a lot of guns there. Yeah, that that tax because if there's anything I associate with Texas, it's it's guns. And Joe yeah. Rogan's $900 a ticket comedy club. That's how much tickets which, cost to see a Joe Rogan comedy special? Well, no, it, they cost that much because, you know, he's got a big fan base in the Austin community, I suspect, of like a, a I don't know who, who listens to Joe Rogan. Like, it, like all the tech bros moved to Austin. Uh, there was this big push to move to Texas, uh, especially from people like Joe Rogan and Elon Musk because of the idea that there were uh, less taxes there. So. I hope they like being very hot. Yeah. Well, they were in California already. It's not that different. Um, mm, I guess parts, yeah, parts of California get pretty brutally hot, yeah. yeah. But Joe Rogan made an anti-woke comedy club, which is, are there woke comedy clubs? Are there, like, yeah. are oh, comedy yeah. clubs oh, too woke oh, nowadays? Oh, yeah, there's some, there's some very, one, there's ones that are very much that way. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. <laughs> Apparently people were clamoring for an anti-woke one. Where uh, I think it's there's some weird rules for it. Like if you heckle, you instantly get kicked out or something like that. Or it, it's like right. uh, that sounds like censorship. That sounds yes, yeah. <sighs> that's not cool. That's like wow. What about my rats? Yeah, <laughs> I have but, rats. Uh, <laughs> everyone wants to go to the anti woke comedy club because uh, tickets sold out instantly and they started scalping. Can for you as bring high a gun like there? Dollars. I think you should be able to bring a gun there, but not use it. You should only use it to make the comedians dance. <laughs> well, what if you go there? What if you, you got to bring a gun? Because what if some crazy blue-haired liberal comes in shooting with their, you know, their little puny little pink gun that's made for ladies? Yeah, they're, yeah their guns are much smaller and more ineffectual than, than you know, the anti-woke guns. Yeah, you know? like we got the the big guns, you know, like fifty caliber Desert Eagle made out. And oh, looks, great! They've made guns woke now. They well, yeah, they have. Now have they, they do, are they putting little rainbow flags on the guns, and are. some gun owners are like protesting. I mean, I am not going to wear the guns. I mean, to be honest, yes, gun manufacturers do cater to like your your blue hair hippie socialist and. You can get guns with uh, anything you want on them, dude. You can get the Hello Kitty gun. <laughs> you can get the uh, Ninten Nintendo has licensed its own gun now. Really? Yeah. Is there a Nintendo gun? Oh, yeah, of course. Do not fact check me. Don't stop. Stop typing. I'm looking up the Nintendo no, gun. Stop typing that in your computer. I'm, I'm looking at it. Would I lie to you I, on a nationally the, syndicated podcast? It is nationally syndicated. That is true. <laughs> Both of those words apply. 
to, to what this podcast There's is. There's a Nintendo gun, okay? I swear. I'm sure somebody has carved the Nintendo logo into the butt of their gun, which is into the, into the side of their gun, which yeah, is a very funny that, thing. That sounds about. like the kind of thing that would happen in the Iraq War. Right? <laughs> like, a, some, for some reason, a, a, a nerd who loves Nintendo volunteers after 9-11, and then yeah, they yeah. get there and they hate it, and they carve a Nintendo controller into the butt of their rifle. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's ironic, like in Full Metal Jacket, but it uses references that we know now. Where's our Iraqi Full Metal Jacket? Yeah, where where's our, you know, group of Marines having just uh, torn up a village, walking through the ruins and singing Gangnam Style? You know, <laughs> instead of the Mickey Mouse Club theme song, they're going... Wapam Gangnam <laughs> Style? Gangnam Style, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's not 2004. They're, I guess they would all be singing Bring Me to Life by Evanescence or something like that. Probably Outcast. They probably might be singing Outcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm they sorry, just Ms. tore Jackson. up an Iraqi village. Yeah, they're probably singing I'm Sorry, Miss Jackson. Uh, I am for real. Yeah. yeah, that would be ironic. I don't think that is the equivalent of the Mickey Mouse Club theme song in 2004. Uh, they, would, they would be singing the Pokemon theme song. <laughs> I want to be the very best. It could be doing Britney Spears. It could be doing Britney, Britney Spears has got the Mickey Mouse Club connection. Right, yeah. Oops, I did it again. They're, might, they're singing humorously. That might be ironic. That could be, that could be a little ironic. It's ironic whenever they use an innocuous pop song during a scene of violence in movies. Yeah. It's better than using, um, you know, sad music. Yeah. When... when in Reservoir Dogs, when during the ear cutting scene, you want to hear a light song. You know, you don't want to hear Joni Mitchell. That would be that would be weird if you did that. You don't want to hear you don't want to hear blue. <laughs> but I mean, listen. If I was getting my ears cut off, I'd want to listen to something that's good, something that's mm -hmm. tasteful, okay. that meets yes. the moment. Um, maybe some some Delta blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a little Robert Johnson in there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think Some classic, good. uh, yeah, ear-cutting music, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's not explore that. <laughs> that's, that's, no, that no, let's bad. not, let's not go into that. Uh, yeah, so, also what got me thinking about superheroes is because the Shazam sequel came out, and it's just fucking tanking, and, uh, if Black Adam wasn't the canary in the coal mine, this should be the canary in the coal mine for, like, superhero media and its general popularity. I think people are growing tired of this trope, um, especially because, like, it, even though I talk about the individualism within the collective of superhero media, it is still very much based on great man theory. You know, you as a single person, if afforded power, would be able to change things for the better. Um, and, um, you know, I think it, it's significant that superhero movies, uh, reach their peak with Obama, right? Because Obama is like this example of like the power of one, you know, this guy is so, and him alone is so uniquely articulate and charismatic that he is able to, um, you know, rise, rise everything up. And by his power, we are, you know, made better. Um, you know, and that idea was so prevalent, you know, he won a Nobel Prize for not really doing anything, <laughs> which is fine, you know, a Nobel Peace Prize, I guess, for being the first black president, even though, which is especially funny, considering his drone strike record and its continuation of many wars. And, you know, probably his most famous accomplishment being the, the killing of Osama bin Laden, which is, you know. Not exactly a peaceful guy, you know. Not exactly Captain Peace. You know, but it's not like you could have... They should have done catch and release with Osama, I think, you know. Just to show him who's boss, you know. Be a little humane about it. Well, I mean, I guess the uh, other alternative was stick him in Guantanamo. Yeah. Um, which I kind I think of, he learned his lesson, you know. You do? You think he learned... When he got two in the forehead, he learned his lesson? Yeah, I think, you know, just before that moment, he was like, I was so off about all of this, you know? I just realized, you know? 
Wouldn't what? that be funny if, if he had this, like, life-changing epiphany immediately before getting shot? Do people have face? epiphanies anymore, even? Do they even have them? Did they even? Are there are epiphanies being made anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can have them because people are on too much goddamn Adderall. And they're no, watching their goddamn I mean, no, they're TikToks. Not. They're apparently not on it because they can't find it. Yeah, there's that big Adderall shortage that's yeah. been happening. They were, I think the doctors overprescribed it a little bit during the pandemic. I think the doctors went a little, a little bit on like the erring on the side of overprescribing everything. You know, get people hooked, get them happy, get them through three years of being inside, and then let them loose on the, yeah. on the economy. We're gonna have a real big, booming economy. Oh, uh oh. No, we're not. Well, yeah, I I think there is an over demonization of Adderall. It is it's it is medicinal. It's uh, many people I've talked to uh, and who use like pretty low doses of it uh, are are uh, talk about how effective it is. I don't want to I don't want to demonize Adderall, especially because there's been that pushback of like, well, Adderall is just meth. No, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> right, it's meth over time, released slowly. <laughs> Come yeah. on, you idiots. It's yeah, slow, you know it's how... slow release, extended no, release. No, comedy, comedy <laughs> plus time equals, uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy, Adderall plus time equals meth, I think is no, what No, meth plus time here. equals Adderall. You're right, you're right. Meth plus time equals Adderall. Yeah. Because Adderall is really the comedy drug, you know, I it's mean, funny. No, I don't know. I, I used to do it a lot in college. I would buy it, um, and uh, I would... Made me kind of go on these like Wikipedia holes that were pretty fun. <laughs> like Wikipedia adventure, but I'm talking about abusing it as someone who doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a ton of drugs you, if you were not actually prescribed it, you shouldn't do. Um, and I think that that the reason why people make fun of Adderall is because a lot of people use it who didn't, who kind of didn't really need to. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, ADHD and uh, it's like one of those things that's so hard to, like, know if it's actually you or just your phone, you know? Like, mm -hmm. is it is it something <clears throat> chemically, internally within me that is causing this huge amount of distraction? Or is it, like, literally everything in your life, every piece of technology is designed to distract you and get you to watch it more, you know? Um I think for me, it was definitely I, I. It was definitely understanding that the latter was the case. You know, I don't have focus problems uh, in the way that a lot of ADHD people describe, but because I think you know all of our technology is giving us focus problems now. I think everybody is a lot of people are self-diagnosing as ADHD. Because when I see people with actual ADHD, it sounds like a fucking nightmare. It's like you literally can't complete any task. It's like it becomes nervous. You can't function. You become nervous at the most basic things. You can't function at work. It sounds like a real fucking nightmare. And that's just not my experience with it. Um, yeah. Although I can't speak for others with self-diagnosed ADHD. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm just being uh, paranoid or something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, that's basically my understanding of it. It's like there's just like, yeah, there's, there's like a medical thing going on and you need that medicine and but also i think people were being over prescribed because of phone stuff and other things that shorten your attention span um mm -hmm. you know but i was just talking about all drugs i think doctors were like your, your general general your gp your general practitioners have gotten way more loose with like a lot of the mental drugs because of the shortage of psychiatrists mm. Um, there's like, there's a gigantic psychiatrist shortage. And so you can't, you like, you have to go to your primary care provider for mental, mental illness. Yeah. Um, and so that, they I mean, just started, and then that was, you know, they started doing that. They started prescribing it. So I don't know if it, it's probably legitimate diagnosis or sometimes, at least some of the times. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. You know, I, I have no way of uh, testing this or uh, having any data on this. So it, it's yeah, just on some, what I'm I feeling some, out with my anecdotal feelers. I, so I see some, like, kind of, I don't know if it's conspiracy or anti-Big Pharma people talking about how they're annoyed because the questions. So the, now that the primary care providers do this with the mental illness drugs, they use these questionnaires to, to like, sort of determine if you have it, if you qualify 
if you mm -hmm. to to make the diagnosis. And yeah. so the anti-big pharma people are like, all oh, these questionnaires were written by like people who used to work for pharmaceutical companies. Like they're really simple and designed to get you to your drug or whatever. So who knows? I mean, big pharma. It's such a it's such a funny broad phrase because pharmaceuticals are interesting in that yes obviously big pharmaceutical com pharmaceutical companies are evil and will do everything in their power to maximize profit over actually distributing their medicine to people but they also make products uh, different from like say silicon valley people they make products that actually work they make medicine that actually does function yeah there's some disputing that sometimes but it's hard to tell if it's because of the, like they don't know how long it takes to do this or if they're actually is some sort of th something about the profit motive that makes Pfizer, for example, make drugs that are maybe less effective. You yeah, know, there's I've that whole that conspiracy well. that like they actually have a cancer vaccine. Yeah, um, yeah, I've heard that because many times. Cuba has like something similar to that for a certain kind of cancer. I don't know, and it's not being yeah, released yeah. here, so it's. I mean, yeah, I I would not be surprised of the depths of capitalist depravity that big pharma has, but also you know, people will use these arguments to say militate against vaccines, for example, it's like they want. Even though the company is evil, the vaccines are good. <laughs> you should take the vaccines. Uh, sometimes an evil company can produce good things, like McDonald's, for example. Yeah, well, McDonald's does have a philanthropic philanthropic department, and they do good things, too. Like, um, they send cheeseburgers to kids who are in comas. Um, <laughs> Look, I was actually saying... <laughs> That's funny, they force the cheeseburgers in their mouth, they're yeah, they, stuffing them down they're their like throats. The, Ronald McDonald shows up and he's like, can you put a little cheeseburger in his mouth? I know he's sleeping, but we need it for the photo op. Can you just put the cheeseburger in his mouth? I think they just liquefy it and put it into the IV. <laughs> Look, I've been to the Ronald McDonald house. You do not want to go to the Ronald McDonald house. They wake you up at 4 a.m. They hose you down. They they put you in a circle and they start uh, yelling at you about all your faults and they're all dressed as Ronald McDonald as well and they're pointing at you with their yeah. big clown gloves. You're going on a food strike at the Ronald McDonald yeah. house and they end up doing a, a feeding tube mm -hmm. with, uh, what do they put in there? They put uh, chicken nuggets. Uh, they put, they uh, put the BTS meal. They, they put, put the, the, the different BTS sauces yeah, in there. Yeah, they put the sauces. They put the Big Mac sauce. <laughs> they try to put the ice cream, but the machine is broken. Oh, and the they, machine oh, at McDonald's no. ice cream machine meme. Ice mm -hmm. cream machine meme. Yeah, people like that. That's yeah. relatable. Where I go to, the ice cream machine is always broken. I know that. These yeah. are things that I know. Yeah. Someone built a whole website off of that. Like, uh, where they located, yes, right. they located every single McDonald's ice cream machine and then could test if it was um, working or not by trying to place an order on, the, on, the, <laughs> tried, on, on that particular McDonald's website. So they built an automated system so you could see which McDonald's had a working ice cream machine. Technology has really improved all of our lives, Alex. Okay, it, it really, really has. has. It really, I mean, that piece of technology is actually useful. You know, it's not like Uber or something, which is just about making taxi cabs more expensive and less possible to live uh, as a taxi cab driver. Yeah, I mean, Uber's was supposed to have, like, the one thing about Uber that makes it useful is not anything about Uber. It's the fact that everyone has a smartphone. Yeah. And, I don't know, you can see it coming to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's good, but I think that is a bad feature. That yeah. feature has made everyone more impatient. Mm -hmm. And more angry if you, like, can see your driver is dawdling somewhere. I know, like, even me, I, like, have the, be nice to service workers. You should be, should be good to service workers because, you know, you're, you're more fortunate than them. You have, you have everything, you know. And when I see, like, uh, if I deliver food and I see the little car on the app has stalled out somewhere or is delivering food to someone ahead of me, I'm like, you bitch, you motherfucker, you're screwing me on this after I tipped you 20%. You are going, you know, even I get that megalomaniacal, that fucking megalomaniacal attitude about it. 
Yeah, they're probably and they're probably smoking around your food. I, see, I don't. Yeah, I, they're smoking. Those jerks <laughs> are smoking around my food, making okay. it smoky. <laughs> Listen, that happened to me, and it was. I thought it was kind of gross. Someone smoked a cigarette while they were delivering my food, and I got my food, and it just reeked of cigarettes. And I was like, Oh my god, I am never using this app again, and I never did. It sucked. Yeah, I think also yeah, just delivery apps in general, like. You can never feel good about yourself using a delivery app. Mm-mm. You know, you always feel like you're, like, some lazy asshole or just some person that demands to be served by the servants. I mean, there's a couple of places here that deliver, uh, do delivery in-house still, and we will do that. Um, yeah. And that's better. That's always better. I don't. It's probably not even... I mean, I, I did that as a job. I was a pizza delivery driver, and this was... I did not have a smartphone. This was, I think, 2010. Yeah. So instead of having a smartphone or a GPS, I had a giganto map book that I had on my lap at all times <laughs> while delivering funny. pizzas. And most of the time, I would try. I was just trying to figure out how to buy weed. So most of my coordination, like with everything going on, was like buying weed and consuming weed, like as mm-hmm. much as possible. I think I, we were living together at this. Yeah, time. we were living together at right? that time. Yeah, and um. Eventually got reprimanded and I quit because of the weed stuff. Uh, <laughs> was, hey, why does my pizza smell so much like weed? Basically, people were complaining that their pizza smelled like weed. Um, <laughs> yeah, people, I had to deliver to the old folks' home and there was a lot of complaints. Like, the pizza delivery driver smells like marijuana. Uh, How can I enjoy my pizza when I know it has been touched so, by immoral hands? I think I was 19. So I was just... Yeah. I was so dumb and so confident. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. It's nothing like that, like, that teenage confidence you have. Yeah. I wish I could recoup some of it, but not really, because it also makes you a huge asshole. Um, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm, all, I'm still an asshole. You know, I still, you know, I'm petty, will do bad things, you know, in my weaker moments, I will be rude to people or mean to people, but... I was such like so much of a piece of shit. <laughs> such a big piece of shit when I was twenty, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about it before. How you you get emotional at the I used to be a piece of shit yeah. sketch, and yeah. I think you should leave. Yeah. But I, you know, I think about that. I was thinking about that more. And it's like no, that's such a universal thing. I used to be a piece of shit too, and it brings me great sadness yeah. to think about the times when I used to be a piece of yeah, shit. Pe- people like, can change, yeah. though. People can change. Yeah, yeah. the baby will, could like me. I'm not a piece <laughs> of shit anymore. My hair's not slicked back anymore. <laughs> but even, like, yeah, especially um, my attempts at humor, my early attempts at humor in my 20s, which were very much influenced by uh, edgy shit, you know. I would like to think more so Wonder Chosen than South Park, but also equally South Park as well, but I, I, there was a great purchase around that time, especially like in the Obama era, when it felt as if we were, oh, things have gotten more progressive, we're moving forward, you know, uh, we're improving, this is a sign of the light, you know, and so people felt more comfortable trying to push that edgy stuff because we had entered into this like uh, post-conflict Obama world, you know, and I think that's why there was such a high purchase on that boundary-pushing stuff at the time and why Tina Fey did all those blackface episodes of 30 rock, you know, uh, it was just something that felt like you could get away with because we were objectively in a better society. Um, but, uh, that has since waned. I think, uh, what the sticking point for a lot of people for that was the irony Nazis, like never before had Nazis used irony in order to like achieve their goals. But around 2014 and 2016, they, they figured out how to do it. Uh, which was to use these same edgy jokes, these edgy jokes that were being made by people who did not have racist or nefarious intent. And they would say the same edgy jokes, but with the racist or nefarious intent. And they could cloak it by saying, what do you mean? This is just a joke. Tina Fey does the same thing. You know, what am I? Um, so I think that sort of spoiled the, the edgy, <laughs> the edgy humor thing for a while, you know, not until we can see some sort of measurable progress in society again. Will that stuff be as open or accepted? And that all depends on the president 
uh, next time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's got to, I don't, I think Biden will probably win re-election. I, I don't, I don't see like this big resurgence against him, you know, in the, the house race certainly didn't go in against Biden's favor in, in a lot. He's, he's generally fairly popular. Like what's his approval rating right now? Well, 1,000%. It's 1,000%. 1,000% and climbing, sir. <laughs> he got the St. Patrick's Day Ireland bump. <laughs> yeah, there's that meme of him going around, um, like jumping off the staircase, do, doing an Irish jig or something. Yeah, that that yeah, and well, well, Joe Biden is not as entertaining as Donald Trump because no one is as entertaining as Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the most entertaining man on earth. Joe Biden is still entertaining though, in a way that is necessary for political candidates now since we've entered the entertainment era of of politics, you know, where where yeah, a candidates I I mean, I say Obama is the one that really started the entertainment era of politics, where it became focused on less less on substantive virtues and more on PR and media manipulation. You know, even going back to Clinton, you know, the thing that won him with the election was it's the economy, stupid, right? You know, there is still at least a gesture of substantive policymaking there. But with Obama, it became all about saying the nicest words, or, you know, uh, presenting an image of somebody that seemed like a good policymaker, as opposed to presenting actual substantive policies that you could uh, latch on to. And, you know, I, I think that carries forward in, in Obama's post-presidency, where uh, more than anything else, he's a media guy. He's a producer of documentaries. He's a, a producer of content. He showed, I was watching The Last Dance the other day, and Obama freaking showed up in it. You know, so there is this... Um, well, he knows about basketball. Sure, he was in Chicago at the time. He knows about... But why, what did the fucking Barack Obama have to do with basketball? He knows about... What he's the, the president. He was the president of... He knows about basketball in America. He was the president America, of basketball. In Chicago. I think it's a good fit to have Barack Obama. Plus, he loves Netflix. Netflix loves Obama. Yeah. I love but, The Last um, Dance and Michael Jordan. I will defend it. It's a, I, I, it's a great documentary. Michael Jordan is my kind of guy. Uh, a gambling a bully? Yes. Yes and yes. Yeah, he yes rules, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes and yes. He's am, awesome. I embrace his faults. I, I think his faults oh, yeah. are, are, are make him even better. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, Michael Jordan does not... He, he's, he seems like he, he definitely has flaws, but I wouldn't say he's like a bad guy or anything like that. He just wants like, to be the best. Yeah. Like no one ever was. Like no one ever yeah. was. And he and he's can be brutal about that. Yeah, yeah. Um did you did you hear when like uh, he insulted chameleon air? He had some like really nasty words to say to chameleon air <laughs> no, or something no. like that. Uh <laughs> maybe I'll pull it Dude, up because that's gotta suck. If Michael Jordan says something bad about you, it's like, oh damn. Uh Chameleon Air shared that he once saw Michael Jordan at a party hanging out with Spike Lee, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and some other members of the Boston Celtics. If it was some other celebrity, the hip-hop star said he wouldn't have approached him, uh, but it was his airness. I, I, this is from BasketballNetwork.net. I don't know if this is a reputable website. Um, I went over there and said, I don't want to be rude, but Mike, I just want to know if it's okay to get a picture. I understand. I kind of expected him to say no. So I wasn't mad if he said no, but the way he said it, he said, hell no, I ain't taking no picture with no, and the word that he said next, I can't say. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so sad for Chameleon Air. Oh, <laughs> so, no. Michael Jordan really was mean to him. Yeah, it really took him to task, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, uh. But yeah, he, he's, he had that reputation for a while. I think, you know, it's also Michael Jordan must be uh, getting asked to have pictures taken with him constantly. Um, I don't know if he recognized Chameleon Air, but I imagine that shit would get irritating after a while. Like, uh, even with my small amount of uh, the people that I have following me on, on Twitter, you know, uh, I like people will be like, when's the comic coming out in print? And I'm like, you fuck, shut up, stop asking me. I don't want to say that to them because they're being very earnest in there. 
but it's like when you have like a thousand people who are constantly asking you the same question you're gonna yeah. it it, yeah, it makes you testy they're being like you know your fans are like sign my boobs sign my boobs and you're like i don't like boobs i don't like breasts <laughs> i don't like them at all put them away yeah. put them away yeah well, you're like smithers and all your fans are the big beautiful women who are yeah yeah <laughs> I'm just going, ah, no, ah. no, no, I can't handle that. That's, that's one of the greatest images still from The Simpsons. Um, yeah. We can kind of um, cap our episode, you know, with started talking about The Simpsons or going to end talking about The Simpsons. Um, yeah. Lots of good late periods. That's a late period Simpsons joke, a wonderful yeah. late period Simpsons joke about uh, Smithers being so gay he is repulsed by the sexuality of women. Which is, you know, I like the joke, but there there used to be that, a lot more of that in the gay community, sort of this performative hatred of women. Uh, like, e- even the term fish, the drag term fish about looking fishy, about looking like a, a, a woman is sort of negative because it's all about a ah, vagina smell like fucking fish. You know, like cocks smell any better. Cocks also smell like fish. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> No one's genitals smell good unless you're, you know, washing that shit like three times a day. Yeah, you got to apply like different fragrances down there, you know? Like, yeah, um, yeah. I put uh, horseradish. Yeah. I put wasabi. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I like the, them together sometimes. You like these pungent, the pungent <laughs> smells. I imagine that would make your balls smell worse. I it's actually, it was... the skin is so sensitive, it stings. Mm. I absorbed the wasabi in there. Um, yeah. It's, oh, I, I bet if you did rub wasabi on your balls, oh, it would oh, hurt yeah. probably. Oh, do not do this. Do not do this. Oh, I, got, I got a jackass <laughs> thing. You know, they already did the wasabi snort. Now I got to do wasabi balls. Please, please make that House of Decline's debut on TikTok. All right. Welcome welcome to House of Decline, and this is wasabi balls. And then we'll... Ooh, <laughs> ooh, oh, no. <laughs> This hurts so much. They're so spicy. Why did they make it so spicy? Oh, it's too spicy. It yeah. is. It might be. It might, it might be. You have to go to the hospital. You have to explain. It's a Chinese or a Japanese doctor. And the, like, you have to tell the Japanese doctor you put wasabi on your balls. And he's like, that's not, it's not where you're supposed to put wasabi. That's not supposed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like... It's a, and I'm trying to like dance around the issue to try and not offend him. It's a type of green horseradish product, you, mm. you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid to say it's Japanese. Afraid to say it, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You're at the ER next to you is the kid in the coma who uh, had the cheeseburger put in his mouth. He choked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Cena is coming to visit him. Now is John Cena in any superhero movies? Has he been? Yeah, he's Peacemaker. He's he right. was in Suicide Squad, that, and he has. The, and that's DC. Yeah, that's DC. Are they doing any better? James, well, the Shazam movie just tanked. Um, but James that, Gunn is that DC's Shazam? Is that DC? is DC. Well, Shazam they all you can't say that Marvel's gonna do bad then. Uh, I think you can because Quantumania also tanked well, comparatively. What's that? Is that that's a, the Ant Man and the Wasp movie, oh. the most recent Marvel movie that just came out. Uh, it only like barely recouped its budget, which is very bad for Marvel movies. Mm. Like, think about a movie like Captain Marvel, uh, which is a very extremely g- the most generic Marvel movie uh, imaginable, and that shit made a billion dollars. So the fact that they're only making three hundred mil on Ant Man is is like a, a very bad portent. Very bad portent, my dude. It's a portent, my dude. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what um, are we gonna do? We're not gonna have any. They, they're not gonna have any movies left. We're just gonna have like a twenty-four prestige horror movies. Uh, for some reason, we're getting a lot of new trailers for big Hollywood comedies. There's that one where Jennifer Lawrence is yeah. has is hired by Matthew Broderick to have sex with the Virgin Son. They did that, viral marketing that I fell for on that. Uh, they did some viral marketing on like Craigslist. They posted Craigslist ads or whatever of um, like. If you date my son, I'll give you this car. And then yeah. I saw that and I was like, ha funny. And then that's actually viral marketing from the movie that's now being released where they placed the same Craigslist ad 
date my mm-hmm. son, haha, and it's Jennifer Lawrence, and she's totally a loose woman or something, right? Yeah, I guess uh, yeah, she's she's a little, you know, she's a little uncouth. She's not the perfect lady. Right. So uh, she's like an she's like an escort even. Is she like actually a sex worker in the movie or is she No, just, she's not a sex worker in the she's movie. Just she's playing just one? Uh, an unscrupulous uh promiscuous woman. Wow. Uh, well, that's not going like, to do well. I like J-Law. There was a huge backlash against her, but she's got genuine comedy chops. I have no doubt that she she can be good in this Yeah, movie. There, there was like this huge backlash when she, when she started to make a make waves about like not having her nude photos leaked, and then the media was like, fuck this person. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck you. We used to find you charming, and now you just want everything, you uppity lady. Yeah, they're like, you're, sounds like you're complaining. That's not a good attitude. And it's like, yeah, complaining no. about being having sex crimes done to you. Uh, it was also the thing where she, people started liking her because she would say sort of like off-the-cuff stuff. Yeah, she, she would say stuff that didn't seem rehearsed or was like a little bit catty. And that's why people liked her. Uh, and then she kept doing that. And just from overexposure, people decided the thing that we liked you for before. Yeah, we hate you for it. Now. Well, yeah. And also Hunger Games was crazy huge. Hunger Games yeah. was like a, a mania mm-hmm. that swept the nation. It was so popular. Mm-hmm. It was like this ne- after Harry Potter. It was like the next thing that was like, whew, that's a big fandom. Yeah, talk about another movie that struggles with notions about the primacy of the individual versus the collective. Yeah, if you want to know more, we have a whole Hunger Games episode. You can search uh, houseofdecline.com for Hunger Games and listen to our Hunger Games episode. But this has mm. been a wonderful episode. Thank you, Alex. Oh, uh, thank you, Stephen. That's all we have time for. All right, go to patreon.com slash houseofdecline. Subscribe now, 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 now.